Well, welcome this morning. If I, uh, I see some uh, new faces this morning, if I haven't met you, my name is Pastor Brian. It's so good that you are here and all those that I see almost every Sunday morning. I'm glad that you're here as well and uh, to participate and to worship the Lord this morning together. Uh, I, I'm not sure about you, but there's certain things that don't make sense to me in this world. Some things that I just, uh, as much as I try to get my mind wrapped around them, I just can't understand them. You have probably heard the idioms like, uh, why do we drive on park waves, but park on driveways? Those little things. But there's things that are really important to this world that I don't understand. Like, why do a lot of women's pants have no pockets? I don't get that. I think you deserve pockets too. I'm not sure. Um, how about this one? If the government knows exactly how much taxes we should pay, how come they never tell us until we underpay them? Right? All right. Um, maybe you, you might have to think about this one a little bit. Why does Hawaii have an inter, interstate? You may have to Google that or what an interstate is, but uh, why does Hawaii have an interstate, right? Um, how come when you're hungry and you open up the fridge and you look inside of it and you find nothing in there that you want to eat, you come back to it 30 seconds later as if some sort of food fairy has deposited food inside that refrigerator for you, right? Um, and ladies, another one to you. Why do you open your mouths when you put on eyeliner? I don't understand that. I hope I don't. So uh, perhaps you remember from a couple weeks ago that I had mentioned that uh, myself and our staff plan out this sermon calendar uh, a long time in advance. And I know what I'm preaching all the way up into to Christmas. In fact, you'll hear about uh, pretty soon, you're going to hear about our fall sermon series in just a, a couple weeks because we have to prepare for it that far in advance. We're really excited about what's coming, coming soon. Um, but um, my schedule got a little bit mixed up when we had the opportunity to let, you know, one of our general superintendents thought that they needed to come and preach here. No, but Dr. Busick, wasn't that wonderful, by the way, and then, a lot, we learned a lot about prayer through him. And uh, by the way, we have received his, uh, his notes. And if you would like those notes, uh, what he wrote uh, about prayer, uh, text me and I'll make sure that you get a copy of those notes. <clears throat> so the schedule got a little bit mixed up and uh, some weeks had to be shifted around. And I, I wanted to do this a series right after Easter that had some basic theology to us and and so I came to this sermon and I knew what I was going to be preaching about and the schedule was coming up and I thought this was going to be something easy. But then I look this week and the, the sermon that I'm supposed to preach today is just titled God. That's it. Just God. It, it turns out, I don't know if you knew this or not, but God is a pretty big subject right? And so what do I preach about God today? I didn't mention anything in particular. I didn't mention a particular scripture. I just had that title, God. Uh, to point us uh, back to the basics was really what I wanted to do here. And uh, so what do we as Christians, what do we as Protestants, what do we as evangelicals, what do we as Nazarenes believe about God? 
And so the most logical place for us as the Church of the Nazarene is to start in the Church of the Nazarene Articles of Faith, which is this document that just highlights and, and uh, uh, our basics of our belief. And so this is what Nazarenes, the Church of the Nazarene, has to say about God. Uh, we believe in one eternally existent, infinite God, sovereign creator and sustainer of the universe, that he only is God, holy in nature, attributes and purpose. The God who is holy love and light is triune, essential in being, revealed as Father, Son, and Holy Spirit. So basically, we, and not just us, a whole lot of other denominations and Protestant denominations across the world believe that God is one God, the God, not a God amongst many, but he is the one true God. And we believe that God has existed before time and God will exist after time concludes and is infinite, he is infinite, meaning that God has no beginning. God has no end. God cannot be contained. We acknowledge that God is fully sovereign. He is all powerful. He is all knowing. He is all present. We would say that God can do anything. He knows everything and he exists everywhere. But by his very nature, we also know that God is creative He's not destructive. He's not disorderly. God is not chaotic. He, he's created the world. God breathed life into the world. And thus, creation has an order because God has made it. It has structure and it has a purpose behind it. And we believe that God is pure and God is perfect, both in his characteristics, in his intent, and in his plan. Now, we as humans may not like it, and sometimes we don't quite understand it, but his plans are always right. God's plans are pure, and they're perfect in every way. And finally, we believe that God is triune, which simply means that he is three in one. And while God is three distinct persons, uh, they are, he is also a single being. God is the Father, God is the Son, and God is the Holy Spirit, yet he is still one God. And so this is where we're going to spend our, our time today, the Trinity, the, the triune God, God in three persons. And I thought even this might be a pretty easy sermon to write. I was wrong. It's not. Because the Trinity is one of those things that I don't know that my mind fully understands. I don't know that I quite grasp all of it. Although I hope that at the end of today, we'd have a little bit of a, a clarification. I hope that we might think things maybe a little bit differently than when we came in. Uh, but if I do my job correctly, you may actually have more questions after you leave than when you came. See, I think that's part of the nature of the Trinity of God. The Trinity is this con concept of infinite scope, yet we as humans can only describe things with a finite mind. 
And so, therefore, we're always going to come a little short. We're, we're always going to be short on a full explanation of the Trinity. Maybe you don't know this, but the word Trinity is not even found in the Bible. It's nowhere to be found there. We think that it, that it probably should be, but the word Trinity never showed up for about 200 years after the life of Jesus when it was used to describe the nature of God. But even though we'll not find that word Trinity in the Bible, the Bible clearly points to a God of three, yet of one being. Jesus referred to the triune God in what we now call as the Great Commission in Matthew 28, verse 19, where Jesus said, Therefore, go and make disciples of all nations, baptizing them in the name of the Father and of the Son and of the Holy Spirit, and teaching them to obey everything that I have commanded you. And surely I am with you always to the very end of the age." So what is this Trinity? And, and how do we make sense of the Trinity? It's a good question, but I don't know that we're going to completely grasp it yet this morning. But the biblical writers, ever since the very beginning of the Bible, have wrestled with this fullness and this completeness of God. And so even they tried to explain this infinite God. And so by doing so, they would just describe God uh, by some of his attributes. For example, if I were to describe these pews that you are sitting on this morning, I would say that they are part wood and part cloth. I would say that they are sturdy and they are solid. And each of these are attributes of the pew that you are sitting on today. There are times in the where the authors of the Old Testament books would describe God by one of his attributes, and they, he, they would call him wise. And the book of Proverbs even says that it was with wisdom that God created the universe. Proverbs chapter 3 says, By wisdom the Lord laid the earth's foundations. By understanding, he set the heavens in place. By his knowledge, the watery depths were divided and the clouds let drop the dew. Now we get that. We get that God is wise. Certainly we would probably uh, characterize God as wise. But there's also times in the Old Testament where those writers would use God's wisdom and describe it as if it were a person. So the wisdom of God and an attribute of God was treated just like it was Another character in the Bible, maybe like Moses or, or David, God's wisdom was yet another character that we get to interact with. Other characteristics of, of God were described as characters as well. Sometimes we see the glory of God appear as if it was a human figure on a throne engulfed with fire. There's times when God's word in which he used to speak to people, but at other times his word appears as a person. And all these characteristics of God aren't treated as separate gods. They were all part of God, even though the biblical writers humanized these attributes of God and, and talked about these things as if God, these were separate people. And this shows up throughout scripture. 
And it became a very common way for these writers to make God seem like he was personal to us. Like it was easier to deal with a, another person, uh, that wise person or that, that glory as a person than it was to think of God as, as some aloof or impersonal God. And so the Christian God has always been described as a single God. This is in your notes here. Uh, The Christian God has always been a single God, a monotheistic, which means one God. As opposed to at the time, the biblical times, the Greeks and the Romans uh, believed in multiple gods or polytheism. And even though we believe in one God, we also believe that God is made up of three distinct persons. Meaning, yes, he's monotheistic, he's one God, yet he is tri-personal, which means three persons. The first verses of the Bible even treat God as, as being separate from the very beginning of time. Genesis 1 says, in the beginning God created the heavens and the earth. Now the earth was formless and empty. Darkness was over the surface of the deep and the spirit of God was hovering over the waters. So from the very beginning, the very first verse of the Bible, we see God as at least two distinct persons, separate yet completely equal. And the spirit of God was this part of God that that humans seem to get to interact with the creator. But we're not done with the Trinity, of course. We know that the Trinity is three parts. Even in the Old Testament, Jesus is referred to many different times. One of the places is in the book of Daniel. Daniel was an interesting guy, and he had this strange dream about a figure called the Son of Man. It was a human figure. And Daniel dreams that this human figure was being raised up on a cloud and this human figure ascended into heaven to sit down on the right side of God next to his heavenly throne. And Daniel says that all of humanity worships the son of man alongside God. Now, of course, he's referring to what we now know as Jesus Jesus referred to himself many times in the New Testament as the son of man. And there are so many other references to to God as a triune God. Although you'll never see the word Trinity in the Bible. It'd probably be a good study. It'd be something to spend some time with and to look up some of these other verses that refer to God in three, yet the same person. It's a common theme that we're going to see throughout all of scripture. In the New Testament, we see this as well. When Jesus was baptized, we see all three characters of the Trinity there. Matthew chapter three says this, as soon as Jesus was baptized, he went up out of the water. At that moment, heaven opened up and he saw the spirit of God descending like a dove and lighting on him and a voice from heaven saying, this is my son whom I love and with him I am well pleased. 
So here we see all three members of the Trinity. We see the Son is being baptized. We, we see the Spirit is descending. And the voice of the Father is heard. Now, there, there's people that throughout church history would argue, um, they've attempted to teach that these three persons are just really different roles. Or maybe they're even different personalities, but they're played by one God. And this is our best attempt to, to kind of explain what this Trinity is all about. It's our best attempt. And I've used that explanation myself many times to try to describe the Trinity to other humans with a finite mind, to, to try to describe this infinite concept of the Trinity. Um, I am Brian, yet I am one person. And although I am one person, I have different roles to fill. I am a son, I'm a father, I'm a, I'm a husband. And all three of those roles are obviously played by me. Yet scripture is clear that God, all three roles are distinct from the other. They are completely separate, yet they're present at the same time. Not just simply different roles played by the same person. And, and so the belief in the Trinity means that we believe that there are three different persons in the Godhead. God the Father is not God the Son, who is not God the Holy Spirit, although they are one. Right? They're all the same God yet they're fully distinct from one another. In other words, while we affirm that there's only one God, we recognize that there's three persons within the Godhead. So let's, let's take a little deep breath here because uh, it's about to get more confusing. Aren't you glad you came to church this morning, right? Look at your neighbor and tell them, I think pastor has lost his mind. I'm doing the best I can here, all right? Um, see, I think we take the triune God for granted. I, I think we believe that just because that's what we have been told. And, and we accept it as truth without ever trying to understand why God is three in one. See, we as Christians don't believe in three separate Gods. It would be so easy for people to describe God like that. It would be so easy for us to believe that. But he isn't. Even Jesus claims unity with the Father. When Jesus said in, in uh, John 10, verse 30, and he states, I and the and I and the Father are one. On another occasion, Jesus is talking about the separateness of the Godhead, yet talks about the unity of the Godhead all in the same paragraph. John chapter 14, beginning in verse 15, Jesus says, if you love me, you will obey what I command. And I will ask the father and he will give you another counselor to be with you forever. The spirit of truth. So here in this verse, we have God the Son asking God the Father to send God the Spirit. Three separate parts of God. And yet Jesus goes on to talk about the Trinity. 
says, he says, the world cannot accept him because it neither sees him nor knows him. But you know him, for he lives within you. Present tense, for he lives within you. And I will be in you. Future tense. Verse 18, I will not leave you as orphans. I will come to you. Before long, the, the world will not see me anymore, but you will see me. Because I live, you also will live. And on that day, you will realize that I am in my Father, and you are in me, and I am in you. Anybody else want to say, what? <laughs> you thought I was confusing, right? This is what makes my job so hard today. It's, it's usually my job as a pastor, as a, as a teacher here to take a hard concept and to explain it in terms that makes it not only so that we can understand it, but so we can take it home and we can make sense of it. But here's the problem. We can try to define God all we want, but we are limited to a human understanding and human terminology. So go ahead and write this down. We will never be able to define God. We can only describe him. We can't define him. We can only describe him. Define means to state exactly the nature, the scope, the meaning of something. Whereas describing means we're just giving a detailed picture, our observation of something. And our descriptions, no matter how hard we try, they will never be beyond a human limitation. They can't be. We're limited by them. We can only describe something based on our senses. Yet we acknowledge that God is beyond any of those limitations, right? See, while we may not understand the mystery of this Trinity, the three in one, distinct yet unified, it's the way in which God has chosen to reveal himself to us. And so I'm sure that some of you are, are sitting here uh, thinking that, well, all this is well and good. I believe in a triune God and I may not understand it. And maybe you're thinking, well, I don't have to have it all figured out, Pastor Brian. I, I don't need to. I don't, I don't have to have a grasp on this triune God. I, I just have to believe it's true. Don't we do that all the time? We accept something even though we can't describe it, even so though we don't know what it's all about. There's many concepts that I just take as true without ever trying to explain them. I've never seen an atom, yet I have no doubt that an atom exists, right? I don't understand women, but I don't <laughs> doubt that you exist, right? Here's the good news. Although I believe it's important that we understand this concept of the Trinity as a basic belief in God, I highly doubt that when we get to heaven, there's going to be a pop quiz about the triune God. I highly doubt somebody is going to say, stand back before you come into heaven. You need to write an essay on the triune God. I hope that doesn't happen. More likely you're sitting here wondering, why does this matter at all? 
Why would I care about this triune God? So let's step back a little bit and look, why does this matter? If you're taking notes, number one is this, the Trinity reveals our true nature. It reveals something about us. One of the first things that our kids learn in KidZone. In fact, I would, I'd be willing to guess that today there is a teacher that is teaching this lesson in KidZone, that God is love. I, I almost guarantee that there's a lesson in KidZone. It's one of the very first things that we learn. Before we learn that God is all powerful and all present or all knowing, we learn that God is love. So what is God being love have to do with the Trinity? Well, let me ask you this. For me to love, I need something to love, right? I love my wife, I love my mom, I love my kids, I love steak, I love french fries, I love puppies, not for dinner, but I... <laughs> I love all of those things, right? We understand that concept. In order to love, we need to love something, right? Now think about this. If God transcended time, and if God was existent before everything else existed, if God existed from the very beginning of time when there was nothing else pre-creation, and at the same time, we would say that he is love. How can God be love if there's nothing else there for him to be in love with? You can't love emptiness. You can't love nothingness. And the very nature of love means you can't love unless, unless you are in a relationship with someone. You can't be in a relationship unless there is another person. And so if God were not triune, he can't be love. Nor could he love because there was no relationship there if he was it. God didn't become love when he created mankind. He always was love. And he always was love because there was always a relationship to have. There was always the Father and the Son and the Holy Spirit. There was always a relationship there. You see how God being triune shows us that God is love. You see, the, the essential part of God's nature is relationship. He exists in relationship because he is love. He is love because he is a triune God. Going all the way back to Genesis chapter 1, verses 26 and 27, we see that we have been created in the image of God, which means that the attributes of God should be the attributes that we find within ourselves, right? because we have been designed in his image, in his likeness. And we possess in some sort of fashion, a copy, a reflection, a model of God's divine attributes. Genesis 1:26. then God said, let us make man in 
our image, in our likeness. And let them rule over the fish of the sea and the birds of the air, over the livestock, over all the earth, and over all the creatures that move along the ground. And so God created man in his own image. In the image of God, he created him, male and female, he created them. Therefore, since God, since God is triune, and since he exists in this relationship, and since God is love, then we need to realize we have been created in their image, their image of God. We too are, need to be in a relationship with others. We too need to possess love for one another. We are to be living for one another because the love of God has been stamped on our heart and we have been created in their image. It's our nature. It's, it's our design. We are to love. And and second point here is the Trinity matters because it distinguishes our God from other gods, little g gods. Many people think that Christians and, and Jews and Muslims and all of us just worship the same God. In reality, Muslims and, and Jews worship a mono-personal God rather than a tri-personal God of the Trinity. See, Judaism and uh, Islam and even Mormonism proclaim a God who loves. They all say that they worship a God who loves But only Christianity, only Christianity proclaims that we worship a God who is love. And that's not possible if there isn't a trinity. It's not possible. How could a monopersonal God be love? Who is there to love? Here's why that's important to us as Christians. Why did God create the world? Why are we here? Why do we exist? A monopersonal God would only create something in order to have power over it. Where a triune God would create the world to share in the love that he already is. See, Jesus says this is the greatest thing that we can do as part of God's creation. In Matthew chapter 22, Jesus says this, love the Lord your God with all your heart with all your soul, with all your mind. This is the first and greatest commandment. And the second is like it. Love your neighbor as yourself. Because the Father and the Son and the Spirit were perfectly unified before the creation of the world, loving, serving, and and glorifying one another we can be confident that God did not create us out of some needy desire to fill some inner void that God had. God was complete before we ever existed. God was perfectly fulfilled before we ever showed up on the scene. Yet he lovingly chose to create create us, inviting us, inviting us to to share and enjoy with who God is himself. 
And as a church, scripture says that we get to be the household of the father, the bride of the son and the temple of the Holy Spirit. You don't get that if God is monopersonal. And so over the next few weeks, we're gonna, we're gonna look at God the Father and God the Son and God the Holy Spirit. And I promise you, once we take and divide God up into these three distinct persons, he becomes a little bit easier for us to understand. But friends, even if I left you a little bit more confused about the triune God today, I hope that you leave with this concept. The triune God, God in three persons, created you so that he could share with you what he already was, love. So let's pray together. Father God, honestly, our brain hurts a little bit. Uh, your design is not an easy concept for us. We, we struggle to fully understand this concept of how, Lord, you can be three separate, yet one unified. And, and your nature forces us, Lord, to go deeper. Your trinity is the answer to our greatest need. Every one of us as humans are looking for love. Jesus, even you said, greater love has no one than this, than someone to lay down his life for his friends. Imagine that the one who is love himself would sacrifice himself. Imagine that this divine community in the Trinity sent out one of their own to die for us, not just for his friends, but for his enemies. God, this is what you have done for us. The second person of the Trinity, the son of man, the son of God took on flesh and came here to die so that true love might show true love and give true love and transform us by your true love that we might finally know and to realize true love. So Father, I pray for an opportunity for our church. I pray, Lord, for an opportunity of all who are here today to show true love to a friend or even this week to show true love to an enemy. And Lord, we pray this in the name of Jesus and within the power of of the Holy Spirit. And all of us say together, amen. Amen. I love all of you guys. Go this week. Show the world the true love of the triune God. Have an incredible week. Love you.